Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What's up, y'all? It's Jasmine with the New Black Collective. And it's Dave Yard with Blacksmith. And you are now tuning into Stories of the Streets. And this week we have two very special guests. Um, they are both running for two different seats that kind of complement each other. And I'm going to let both of them um, introduce themselves because this is, I think this is the first time we've had two guests on the show. Yep. What is it? Yeah, it, I is. Think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Um, but whoever wants to. Go ahead, Jeremy. All right, I'm Jeremy Davis. I'm running for District 1 on the WISD Board of Trustees. All right, Keith Guillory, and this is my uh, my second run. I, I actually saw a post this morning uh, saying a year ago I was printing my T-shirts. And so I've been at this for a while, but, yeah, I'm running for Waco ISD School Board, um, Place 6, the at-large position. Along with Jeremy, so I want to keep that confusion down. Some people think we're running against each other. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, just before we get started, Stories of the Streets is sponsored by Change Waco, the New Black Collective, Black Scent, and powered by Rogue Media. That was my line. I completely forgot. But <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you all for coming on. You know, of course. Um, and this is weird. We never had two guests. Should have played this out. Well. Better. I told them to talk about their campaigns. I was yeah, going to yeah. get cut. No, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> saying which one should go. Um, yeah, go with Jeremy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, just to give some background about myself, uh, I'm a Waco native. Uh, graduated from Midway in 2013. Since then, I've started a mentoring program called Mentor Waco. It's for young kids around the Waco area from 6th to 12th grade. Um I have students in every WISD middle school and high school that I've worked with over the past three or four years. Um, I've worked in WISD for the past three to four years and in, in various roles at various campuses. And I want to run for school board just to make a greater change across the district. Real, real. Yeah, I, um, I think I'm the oldest one in here. So <laughs> I have uh, three kids in, in WISD. Actually, I have one who um, graduated. He's at Howard Payne University. He graduated from um, Waco High School. He actually had a game yesterday. I was out canvassing, and he was he was playing against Sol Ross. And so I have another daughter who's at Waco High School. Uh, she just received um, uh, National Honor Society. Um, That's awesome. You know, things. And so and I have another um, youngest. My youngest one, she's seven. She's over at Lake Air Montessori, and she's an elementary school student. Uh, I've been part of the district now for like nine years. I'm on the CTE board. Uh, That's Career Technology and Education Board. I'm on the uh, school safety committee, you know, as an officer in the city uh, for the fire department. So I'm, I'm on the school board. I'm, I'm on that board there. I've been involved in the adopt a school program, lead program. So I've been involved in the district um, for a while. Just wanted to jump in and um, be a part of the change in the district. You know, if you look at our at our school board and Jeremy can speak on this, too, um, there's no type of diversity on our board. You know, I always say if you look around at other districts, you know, if you look at Midway, or if you look at China Spring, or if you look at Lorena or Crawford, you know, all those boards represent their community. You know, if you, it's a reflection of the community. And if you look at the WISD board, it's nothing like our community. And so just seeing that and being part of the district, being part of the students' lives, being part of the teachers' and the administrators' lives, 
said, hey, they need to change. And and a lot of them inside the district, of course, teachers and administrators, they see that, you know, and they want that. You know, a lot of them support, you know, both of our campaigns. And so, you know, this, this is why we're doing it. Yes, I also want to just say shout out to Mr. Norman Manning, who's held the District 1 seat for the last 12 years, holding it down for our community um, and our children. And I just am thankful to him that uh, he's came on board to mentor me as I take the seat in May and just uh, it will be there for a wealth of knowledge as we continue to make change for our students. Is, did he retire or uh, he's, he just stepped down? He's stepping yeah, down. Yeah, okay, yes. I saw that. So I guess my first question will be, what do you guys have to offer since we're talking about diversity and um, just how we see the lack of diversity within the school board? Um, what do you guys have to offer as far as, I know that you relate to certain communities, but outside of relating to us, how can you relate to everybody? I think uh, my background is how I can relate to everybody. I had the privilege of growing up in East Waco, USA, and then moving to <laughs> Hewitt. Yes, <laughs> and then moving to Hewitt. So they kind of gave me a diverse upbringing. So uh, it let me it let me be around a diverse community of people and learn how different cultures and socioeconomic levels work. Um, I think, uh, again, just being involved in the school district and with our kids around Waco, I think I've been able to maneuver um, with different groups of students as well as parents and teachers as well. So I think that uh, uh, of, uh, along with uh, just being involved in the community in general as far as the Park and Recreation Board for the city, uh, just doing different like the protests this summer, just being around uh, different facets of our community, I think will bring a different perspective and a fresh look to the board. Yeah. Well, you know, my, my upbringing um, being from, I'm from Houston originally. And, you know, Houston's a, it's a melting pot. You know, from you have, I would say you have everything from Jamaicans to the Asian community, white, black community. And I, me, I'm from Herm Clark. That's South Houston. Um, if y'all are familiar with like UGK, you know, um, you know, Paul, well, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of, that's, <laughs> that's all that's Herm Clark right there. And I also grew up partially in, um, in A-Leaf, like growing up, you know, I went to, uh, my mom was a um, single mother. And so we had to, um, every time the rent was due or, you know, every time our lease was up, we had to move. And so I went to 15 different schools growing up wow. and met a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds. And so when you talk about relating to all different communities, you know, and then, you know, growing up like that and, you know, I just met a lot of different people. And been able to disconnect throughout my life, you know, being able to connect with different individuals throughout my life. And so I think through my story, I've been able to just connect with a lot of other people's story. And I've lived in, in a lot of different communities, you know, even um, as an adult. And so just just that right there and sports, my education, you know, and and just, um, you know, through my kids lives, connecting with their friends and different generations right there as well. Like I said, I'm probably the oldest one in here. <laughs> so, and so just um, just through that, and then even in my profession, you know, as a as a firefighter, and then as a fire marshal, you know, going around the city, connecting to, um, like I said, part of the lead program, the chamber, the, the chamber, um, the black chamber, the NAACP, and just being connected into all those different um, different brands and, and and different groups. I think that allows um, me to understand every student. I'm even part of the Hispanic chamber. You know, so being connected to the Hispanic community, you know, if you look at the, right. the demographics and within our district, it's predominantly Hispanic. And so you have to be able to be connected to to every every community in our city. Right. And I, I went to university, so I know uh, just experiencing. Well, like he said, East Waco, USA. Um, so coming from Jay Chines and Wiley and there being no high school for us to go to, I went to university because I didn't want to go to Waco High because my whole mindset was, well, I've gone to school with them for, what, almost 12, like, most of my life. And so my mom graduated from university, but I didn't know going into university that it was going to be a culture shock for me because, like you said, most of our school is, you know, most of our school district is primarily Hispanic and a lot of yeah. people don't know that, but I went to university and I found out very quickly. I was like, oh, okay, 
This is where everybody is at. And because I went to predominantly black schools and then going to high school was totally different for me. So I went to a high school where there was predominantly Hispanic and black children. Like I didn't really, we had some white classmates, but maybe um, in my class alone, maybe five. (laughs) And like you said, the diversity, we had a few teachers that were um, black and then the Hispanic teachers that we did have were our Spanish teachers. Mm. And so just seeing that, well, our principal was Hispanic as well. I almost mm. forgot that. But our principal was, his, was Hispanic. And then we had, like I said, the Spanish teachers. Mm. But other than that, there was really no diversity. And I don't think that people look at it from that scope of, you know, we service a whole yeah. realm of students. Like we have a whole yeah. different pool of students at these different schools. How do we staff those? I feel like university is way more diverse now than it was when I was there. But it's like, you know, our teachers and our staff, they loved us. But as far as being uh, relatable and being able to relate to our teachers, there was no relatability. And like you Mm -hmm. said, we're looking at the board of trustees and the school board and all of that. Mm -hmm. And they didn't look like us either. And so it's like, we got to go to school, get this diploma and get out of here. And that was our mindset. And some of us never looked back for that very reason, because no matter how much it was our school and we loved it, we still didn't feel like we belong because nobody looked like us. So I feel like it is important for kids to see, Hey, they look like me and that person's doing this. And then it just leads to this whole domino effect of I can do that too. And so I always think about that. And I think about, if we saw people trying to do what y'all are doing or actually already on, you know, the mm-hmm. board, how will we have turned out? Not mm-hmm. saying that we're not successful or anything like that, because that's not the truth. But will we be more motivated? Will we be further than we are? Like, I always think about those things. So I appreciate y'all for running. Thank oh, you. I, I just want to say, too. Gave me uh, chills right there. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, too, it's not only about the representation on the board, how we look. It's also about boots on the ground. I think that's a different thing that I'll be able to bring to the school board. Um, if y'all don't know, I'm running unopposed. So I'm basically just waiting on the election day to come. So I think one thing that I'll be able to bring that um, is not on the board currently is somebody who's actually worked in the school district. Yeah that is actually working with our kids every day through through my actual job or through my mentoring program and just out actually boots on the ground, connected with kids, learning about their culture, actually investing in them, somebody that they can tangibly touch, you know, see a H-E-B, see, uh, play basketball with at the park. That's, that'll make a huge difference because then they can actually learn from us and not just see a picture of us but actually know who we are. Right. I think I had one teacher um, that I saw. She was on a school where maybe like last year, a few years ago, but she was the only person that I knew because she she taught me for like three years because I took criminal justice classes, um, Angela T. Hill. Mm -hmm. And she was about the only one that I actually knew and that I was familiar with that I had formed some type of bond with. And everybody else, I was just like, who are these strangers? And that's how (laughs) it feels. And I don't think that people realize when you're developing these types of um boards and things that like you said boots on the ground like you need to know your community same thing i tell everybody on city council whenever we're having a meeting with somebody from city council with change like uh we don't know y'all we don't know the police and i tell them that all the time and i think that it makes a difference um whether or not you're connecting with the community because it's great to have these positions but Mm. if that position is the only thing that matters to you and not the people then you don't need to be there yeah that's the main point of doing it you know there's so many politicians that take seats and they only want like you know the political status or the money or stuff like that so it's refreshing to you know the past few weeks to meet so many people who are no i want to do it because i see there's people that aren't being represented or aren't being taken care of i want to help change that because um speaking for midway i didn't know nobody in our school board like <laughs> i didn't know nobody like and we didn't have a lot of you know um diverse teachers like one of the Spanish teachers I had was a white woman so it's like and she wasn't bad but it's just like you know there's there's obviously a disconnect everywhere you know so it, there's always room for improvement and uh, you know I, like like Jasmine said you know I really appreciate y'all you know running and taking that kind of first step I know it's not an easy process well yours is a little easier because you know you're running in post <laughs> but I know it's not an easy you know process um did you have another question no, you can go ahead. Right. I feel like I've talked a lot. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask what kind of, 
Was there like a special event or like situation that kind of motivated y'all to go ahead and, um, you know, I know this is your second time running, but, you know, is it, it was something that kind of pushed y'all to like, okay, no, I'm gonna go ahead and actually do this because there's a specific thing that I just saw that I didn't like and I want to help change that. Or was it kind of just um, still the diversity aspect and the representation? Was that the main, you know, motivation for running or was there something else? Um, I think for me personally, it just kind of stems from Mentor Waco. Um, the same reason I started Mentor Waco is the same reason I wanted to run for school board. And that's if you just look at the statistics mm -hmm. of black and brown kids compared how they perform academically, their behavior reports compared to their peers in WISD is just a drastic difference. And so I felt compelled to go about bringing a change, you know, not just talking about it on Facebook, not just talking about it in my group of friends, but what can I actively do every day to bring a change to these alarming statistics, right, mm -hmm. that I feel like so many times go unnoticed. So um, just like y'all know, uh, Mentor Waco, we've been doing it for about three years now. And when um, I learned more and more about the school board, as I started attending meetings, uh, I got on the uh, long range planning facility advisory board for WISD, uh, just working in the schools. I just felt compelled. Is it more that I can do? Is it more kids that I can reach? We have 20 kids in Mentor Waco and they can be great, but we have like 2000 that need Mentor Waco and some of the skills and the love and care that we're giving to our students. So I just wanted to do it on a greater scale. Um, lived in District 1, and I knew that was Mr. Manning's district, so I definitely was not going to go forward if I didn't have his blessing. So I um, called him up. Just I, I met with him a couple times before that, just called him, had that conversation, let him know what my plan was, why I wanted to run for school board. By the way, school board is a volunteer position. We're not doing it for any money or any clout or anything like that. I feel like both of us are already very active in our community as well. We just wanted to hand uh just enhance what we're already doing so that was kind of my motivation for uh joining the school board just to help our kids is all about the kids if if i can't help make the situation better for our students it would be no point of me being on the school board yeah it's just uh just talking to um most of the kids in our in our district you know just one-on-one or in groups and just seeing what was um how, how, how absolutely smart and intelligent our, our students are. And it, but that doesn't reflect in the statistics. You know, when you look at our, our dropout rates in our district, they're some of the highest in the state, you know, and, and you look at the numbers as far as um, our literacy rates, you know, in our, in our district, you know, we're, when you look at the numbers, we're teaching one quarter of our students and we're leaving about 75% of our students behind. Well, you know, so we have, um, if you look at the, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to like um, our, our third grade um, reading scores. That's when we first start testing our students in our district. And those numbers say that we're only educating a quarter of our students to the point of, at, at the third grade level. So we're losing them from kindergarten all the way up to, to third grade. We're losing three quarters of our students. And so seeing that and talking to our students and, and, and parents and knowing how intelligent our community is, we're 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 undereducating our students, you know, and we need to we need to meet that need, you know, early on, you know, pre K K, you know, going into first, second, third grade, getting our students into middle school and high school with the ability to read, write, and do math at the basic level, yeah. you know, so they can get out and get jobs. You know, we need to make sure that our our students when they get out of get out of high school, they're able to 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 enter the workforce, and get good jobs and get paid. At the end of the day. We need to make money. You know, we need to get paid. You know, we need to live. We need to make living wages. You know, we need to um, be able to explore the job market and things like that. And so we want to make sure that, that our students are coming up and seeing people who are successful, like yourself, like Jeremy, like myself, and other people in the community that we run across, and making sure that they can see that they can reach those levels. You know, that's why I started as a, as a firefighter, you know, in the city. That's why I jumped into the school district. You know, from my from my hometown, it was, it was I saw black firefighters across the street from my daycare, mm. and I knew growing up that I can do that. You know, and so when I came to Waco and got into the school district as a firefighter, 
you know, students was like, man, I've I never seen a black firefighter before, or I didn't know I can do that. Well, I was going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and so that, that's what got me actually involved in the district. That was that event that happened that got me involved in the district is when I talked to teachers, you know, teachers were calling me left and right. Hey, come talk to my class. Hey, come talk to my class because they had never seen a black firefighter in the city. And so that, that's what got me, you know, jumping into the, into where we are now to bring me to this point. Now I had no desire or even aspirations to be on the school board, but when Dr. Nelson was there in, in the district, you know, he asked me then, he said, Hey, have you ever thought about being a board member? No, I never have. But, you know, as I got more and more plugged into the district, you know, I was like, Hey, it's needed, well, you know, and our students need to see, you know, and our teachers need to see, you know, professionals, you know, on the board and knowing that they can get there and do that. So that's, that's what, that's how it all started. I was going to tell you, I've never, <laughs> I didn't, are you the only black firefighter? No, I'm one of like a handful. We have like five. Wow. But I'm one of the higher ranking, you know, that that's, that's done it, you know, yeah. in our city, you know, and, and, and shout out to, you know, um, Doc Gooden. He was one of the first um, black firefighters in the city. And he came to me as a rookie and he said, um, he said, Keith, he said, I want you to promote and I want you to promote fast because I want you to, to show, you know, other people, right. you know, in our city, I want you to show them this. So that's, right. you know, that's how it started. Man. There's a black history <laughs> moment because I was going to tell you, I've been waiting for the opportunity to bring it up, but I have yeah. never seen a black firefighter and I'm almost 30. Wow. And so I know that for those kids to see you like in the school, at the schools, like that yeah. was like a mind, <laughs> a mind shift for them. And like you said, um, people always tell us that we make everything about race, but they don't understand from our perspective that representation does matter. Yes. And um, same thing you said with the test scores and stuff. I believe part of the problem is that they don't teach us where we need to be taught. Mm. And it's always like my little cousin went to Jay Chines. Um, I went to Jay Chines and I never got in trouble as much as he did. Um, but the difference was the time spent. So I was there in the early 2000s where we had a predominantly black staff mm. completely like from the, the principal, principal to yeah, the janitor yeah. and we got in trouble and they knew our family. I'm gonna tell your granny on you. And I said, <laughs> Hey, wait, you know, my granny. <laughs> and, yeah. but we all passed and we did yeah. our work. And of course there's going to be a handful of kids that are mischievous, but we did our work. We passed our tests. We went to the next grade. Fast forward to his time period. Cause he's only in what, like eighth, eighth grade now. So a few years ago, they have a diversified school staff, mm -hmm. but the kids are still the same. Mm -hmm. And not saying that, you know, we should not be integrated or anything, but I feel like when you take out so much of the culture that is East Waco mm -hmm. and what they're used to, because East Waco is its own little city in itself. Yeah. <laughs> we have, yeah. And it's like we have the corner stores where you can go grocery shop. Like you literally can do everything over there. And that's how East Waco has always been. So you take these kids that are going to all of these places and that everybody that they're seeing is a black person. Everybody over there is black. Mm -hmm. Everything they're doing is black. And then you send them to school with someone. It doesn't even matter if they're white. It's that they don't understand the children. Mm -hmm. they're not culturally trained to teach those children. And I think that that is a large part of the problem. The disconnect comes where people don't have any diversity training because we live in our own bubbles. As sad mm -hmm. as that is to say, we really do. We live in our, we live in our own bubbles. And so for them to go teach those kids and well, you're not listening, you're bad. Cause that's, they mm. tell them you're bad. <laughs> and when yeah. you tell a child that so many times they, they start to, yeah. yeah, they believe it, and they start to take right, on right. that attitude. Well, I'm bad. I'm gonna do any. I'm gonna get in trouble anyway. One time, he got in trouble for accidentally breaking a pencil, and I thought that was ridiculous. And I was like, "A pencil? Yeah. Why didn't you give him another one?" Because yeah. that was my resolve. Yeah. Was like, okay, he broke a pencil. Give him another pencil. Yeah. It's really like some things are that simple, but they aren't being taught because people are focusing so much on, "Oh, you did this one thing wrong that." You as an adult are not teaching because you're so focused on this minuscule thing that this child has done that you you disrupt the entire class. Because mm -hmm. when we went to Jay Chines and Wiley, you acting up, you get a look, do you need to leave? <laughs> yeah. 
And they say, do you need to leave? You get a chance to answer. You don't because Miss Hawkins said, why they told us, you know, you either sit down or sit down. Mm. <laughs> you didn't have a choice. <laughs> and we were like, oh, she's not playing, so let me be quiet. Then they proceeded to teach. But I think a lot of the problem is, like I said, they <laughs> they take away from the instruction by focusing on yeah. small things and maximizing them. And so it does cause a domino effect because it's like, oh, my friend did this and he got attention. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to do it and get yeah. attention. Man, you 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 hitting it on the head. So yeah, yeah it, it's a it's yeah. a whole whole lot of work. To That's be why done. one of my big pushes on my platform is to just bring more professional development training, especially to our new teachers and really the ones that have been here for a while too. Um, as an employee, I've never gone through equity, um, diversity, and inclusion training. As a as a WISD employee, I never went through those kind of trainings and. Thank God, like I said, I'm from here. So I kind of had already grew up with yeah, that yeah. training. So, um, but I think a lot of our teachers, especially if you look for where we recruit and the type of teachers we recruit, I think it's a beautiful thing to have a diverse staff because the world is diverse. Right. So even when they graduate from Wake Ohio or university and go to college and the workforce, you will not only be around people that look like you are yeah. from the same cultures as you. But I think it's very important for our teachers to have that training so they can teach the kids in the community. Just like uh, we were talking about before we started about kind of like community policing. But like we need to have community teaching as well. Like we need teachers that are actually involved in our communities so they can know such and such grandma lived three houses down. And if I need to stop by there after I get off of school, you know, a lot of issues can be um, handled in that situation. And I just think it's been a lack of a lack of that training for some of our teachers and I think it could help a lot of issues that we face. Yeah. <clears throat> and and homegrown, homegrown talent, you know, homegrown talent, you know, bringing up, you know, people, you know, our, our students in our district who want to be teachers, you know, and 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 nurturing nurturing that and bringing that up and you know, we have a we have Tarleton State right here in our backyard as well as you know, MCC and we can streamline a lot of that talent, you know, straight into, um, you know, into that education system right there and bring up teachers and principals right here in our own backyard. You know, and there, there are other districts that do that. And that's something that needs to be brought, you know, brought to the table. Is, um, we have, you know, you know, students in our district who want to be teachers and let, let's nurture that and let's bring that to a fruition for them. And also, um, I think another thing, other than just bringing diversity, I think an age difference to the WISD Board of Trustees is going to be a huge thing that I thank God for the opportunity to bring because I'm 25 years old. I don't know this for a fact, but I might be the youngest school board member of all time at WISD. (laughs) So I think um, just, one, letting kids know that we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait till we're a certain age to begin to make change. You know, we can make change. We look historically a lot of the change makers in our um, in our communities or in our race of people in general here in America have all been young, mm-hmm. 30 and younger, right? So um, some of the most prominent ones have um, got their start. So I think it's important that our kids know that they're leaders now and that they can make change now and their voice matters now. So I think that's another thing, uh, not I think, but I know that's another thing that I'm going to push to our students, that they know that they are preparing now to take charge. So um, I just wanted to put that out there as well. Yeah. Going back to something you said um, that, you know, you hate that we bring race into, you know, not hate it, but like, you know, we always bring race up, but we kind of have to mm-hmm. in a sense, no matter what we're talking about, because you can always find, um, you know, a link back to racism somehow. And talking about school and stuff like that just made me think about um, how undertaught our history is. Like, a lot of people on uh, Twitter have been sharing, like, in color, like, you know, civil rights pictures, and you see Rosa Parks in color, and you see, you know, MLK in color, and it really puts in perspective how it really wasn't that long ago, and I think a lot of people don't realize that, and that's one reason why people nowadays, as in our youth, aren't really as motivated to try to pay attention to that kind of stuff, because they think it's so long ago, and it's so far away, and they think it's so much better now, when in reality, it's really not, so... I like the fact that y'all are trying to bring in more, um, you know, training, more teaching, and not trying to exactly shy away from diversity, but to make sure that the diversity understand just everybody they represent 
I really like um, one thing I do like appreciate with Midway was how diverse it was. Like I didn't, it wasn't like I came from Marlin. Marlin was my home, and I lived right across the street from the from the school that I went to. So I, I definitely, you know, can relate to just you know seeing people that look like me every day, both from staff and students. Um, I had a sub one day that swore up and down. I was acting up, and when she when she <laughs> left, she came right across the street to my house and stopped. And my mom and them called me from inside playing the game. Why see you out here saying that you're acting up in school? So I, you know, I felt all that, and then went to Midway and felt not real disconnected, but I felt like I had to find people that I connected with because I no longer just connected with everybody. It was like a like I said, a melting pot of different people. So. Really trying to bring in that training and make sure everybody understands the people that they, um, you know, represent is a huge like push that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. Like I never went to Waco High, so I don't know how Waco High is just like school was, but I've heard you know things, and I, I you know, I'm I'm excited to see the changes that y'all will bring you know to the table. And I'm, mm. I'm definitely gonna be pushing for more community involvement. So if you're listening, please get involved in our local schools. I think we can bring a lot of the change that we seek. And when I say we, I mean everybody listening can do a part. And if we all do a little part, we can make a big change. Um, I think uh, yesterday we were out canvassing, and I uh, knocked on the door and talked to a gentleman for about 30 minutes. You know, we like to talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he graduated from Carver High School back in the day, and just the knowledge that he was able to bring and some of the history lessons that he was able to give me and one of my mentees, uh, right there, just that connection, just that 30 minutes of, of history and kind of just uh, perspective, um, I think made a huge difference. Um, so I just definitely would encourage people to get more involved in the schools. I would definitely do my part to make sure there's a safe space for more people to be involved in our schools and that our schools are more community oriented moving forward. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with like you, since you brought up Carver, as my granddaughter <laughs> said, <laughs> when you brought that up, it made me think of something. I think that a lot of them, um, although back then they were a part of Waco ISD, AJ Moore and Carver, um, they was like I said, they were still in their own. Like it's like they were by themselves, and so I think what's happened is the lack of trust. Because you say mm. community involvement, but. I just thought about like how my mom and even like their generation, they didn't really go to like PTA meetings and things like that because there was no trust. Mm -hmm. And so I think uh, a large part of the problem is going to be building that trust with Waco ISD. Yeah. Cause they'll send us there, but when they send us there, well, nothing may not happen. If you do, you need to call me, but they don't go past that. They'll come to the sporting events, but as far as it's like community involvement and parents being involved, parents of color, I'm just be honest, parents of color, being involved with decision making or putting their in, giving their input on how things should be run and like I see that does not happen. And like I said, trust. Um, mm -hmm. same thing I spoke with Kelly Palmer about in regards to the police mm -hmm. force trust. And a lot of people in East Waco don't have the trust. They have a lot of history and they'll share it with us individually, but that's as far as it goes. Like my grandmother tells me a lot. I look at yearbooks. I know how everybody grandma looked back in the day, and I know what happened at Carver. But <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah. only get those lessons in house. Yeah. And if you go outside of, he felt comfortable with y'all. That's why he shared with y'all. Yeah. But if you go outside that, they're not really gonna say much. And I've learned that from my own experience. So I feel like just building trust in the community, um, all the way around in Waco, from the police force to Waco ISD, it's going to be a huge thing, a lot of work, but I feel like it can be done. Mm -hmm. And it gets done by, like you said, people showing up. Like yeah. you said, you're the youngest, for real, probably, like, on the school board. I just mm -hmm. thought about that. And even with us, like, our different organizations, everybody always asks why we started the New Black Collective. I said because when we were younger, there were black organizations, but they weren't close to our age. Yeah. And I think that makes a difference because there's no connectivity. And so the kids don't have anything to relate to. You yeah. keep seeing cloud and everything. The kids probably be like, yeah, he know what cloud means. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell people that because we understand their language, it makes a difference. Because yeah. a 40 or 50 year old couldn't, they'd be like, what, what, what you talking about? about? Yeah. <laughs> and the kids then shy away from wanting to look, not, not that they wouldn't want to look up to them, but they feel like they can't relate. Yeah. 
so even with our organizations, like I always tell y'all, we'll have, we can collab to help all of this become a thing um, and something that is going to move forward. I feel like the only way it's going to get done is if we do all work together. And that's why I'm always asking y'all, hey, I don't know what we can do, but we can do something. Because there's always something that can be done. Even if we don't know right away <laughs> what it is, we can figure it out. And that, that's how we, we actually got connected. It was through that. You know, we said, hey, man, we need to, we need to do this together. You know, it, it's so many different little uh, fractions uh, uh, around our community that you have this group over here, this group over here. We even do it on Sunday mornings. You know, you have this church over here, this church over here. We have like 200 churches in, in, <laughs> you know, in our Two community. Two huge and ones down the street yeah, from each other. And, and none, of them, none of them work with each other. And so for, you know, Jeremy and I to reach out to each other, and then that's how, you know, we brought, you know, I always, I like to call him Woodson, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and Woodson came in and met, you know, over lunch and said, hey, man, let's, let's, let's get the community together, you know, to do this. And, you know, this is, and to me, really, this is a historic moment to, to have yeah. an opportunity to get uh, two young, you know, and I'm going to say black, you know, gentlemen on the school board. And we shouldn't even feel bad saying that because no other community has to, you know, sign off on saying their race and, and or, or saying what's going on. And a lot of what I hear y'all say, I hear Carter G. Woodson when you talk and I hear Marcus Garvey when you talk. And so, you know, it's just uh, we should be proud to say that and we shouldn't feel uncomfortable, you know, stating our race and what we need to see change in our community because it needs to be changed. Right. That's why we're here. That's why we even have to talk about this. You know, we look at our district and look at the state that it's in and we know it's in the state that it's in because our students are underrepresented and undereducated. And so that's where we are. And, and nobody says nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important for black men to be in these roles. I think, um, I know growing up, I seen a lot of strong black women, a lot of strong black women who were knocking down doors, who were making change. But, um, I think it's important for young black men to have somebody to look up to that looks like them, you know, a male in the, these roles. And I was just going to say um, how I think we should start. Uh, I proposed a school board one on one program and that program will I'll start it once I get on the board in May. And that would just be to educate students and parents. Uh, and the community at large on what the school board is, one. Because most people yes. don't even know what the school board is and the functions and duties as well as elections and the decisions that are being made. And I think we can just start there. Also, how do you get on the agenda at a school board if you have a concern and just bringing more transparency and, like I said, being more tangible to people. It, I don't want to be someone that, you know, you kind of heard of, but I want to be somebody that you feel comfortable to inbox on Instagram. Or, or call on Facebook Messenger and say, hey, Mr. Davis, my kid goes to Cesar Chavez or my kid goes to Char uh, Carver and this is what's going on. And I'll be able to explain how you can get on the agenda or help you to do whatever it is that you need help with. So that's a, a huge thing that I want to bring so that our community can be more involved and feel comfortable being more involved. And I think getting more people from our actual community in these positions will help with that as well. I hope that causes a ripple effect to other schools because, yeah, I didn't know a lot about Midways. Like, you know, school board at all. The first time I even thought about, like, you know, the fact that it needed to be changed or, you know, something needed to change was uh, I either already graduated, I think I already graduated, but the year after I graduated, they weren't trying to let, um, you know, black guys with dreads walk the stage. Like, you know, um, probably about the length of mine now, but mine were shorter, so I was fine. But theirs were like ear length, you know, down to their shoulders or whatever. And they were saying, no, you can't walk the stage unless you cut mm. your dreads. And there's a young boy. He went to he went to the same elementary school as my sister. He's about, I don't know, he's in like first grade, second grade. They told him that his hair was a distraction. They told his parents that they needed to cut it. And that felt like such a slap in the face to me, especially being someone who had already graduated from there. Mm -hmm. And those things never came up. It was never an issue. So I definitely like the idea of, you know, people saying, uh, you know, people understanding, hey, if you don't like this, this or that, these are the people that you talk to to help fix that. Because a lot of people don't yeah. don't realize that. You see that a lot with our, um, just our election in general. People are always talking about the president. You know, oh, if I vote in this right president, 
then everything will be fine. It's like, well, are you paying attention to your, who your mayor is <laughs> and who your, you know, district attorney is and who your judges are? Like these people also have Preach, man. a greater effect <laughs> on your life than the, you know, than the president. So I like that. I, I hope yeah. that takes a ripple effect, you know, everywhere. Because one thing that we do need is we have all these little smart, you know, phones and stuff at the hand, you know, at our at our hands or within our hands reach, whatever I'm trying to say, but. <laughs> You know, we still don't know a lot, and we can still be put on a whole lot more. And I feel like a lot of stuff is being hidden from us or not directly given to us. So I like, you know, that it takes, like, a village. It takes people like us to realize this stuff and then say, okay, hey, let's fix that because that isn't right. And I th- I think it's also uh, politicians, whether it's school board, city officials, whatever uh, position that you're in, I think it's on us to educate the people. Yeah, I feel like it's on us to bring that information to the people and make sure that they understand how it works. Because at the end of the day, once I'm on the school board, I'll be representing District 1. So it'll be on to me to make sure that the people of District 1 understands how these things work, that they have a safe and inclusive space to come voice their opinions, and that they understand how every facet of the school board and how they can be involved on their children's campuses. I feel like it's on us. A lot of the times um, I hear where school board meetings are streamed online, you know, or the the agenda can be found on www, you know, but I think it's uh, important that we culturally look at our community and realize what the best avenues to get that information to the people that are in our communities uh, is. And I think it's on the, the school board members and, and any politician to make sure that they're using the most effective practices to make sure everybody's informed. Yeah. And I, and man, I don't know how much time we have, uh, we have left on here, but I really want to get those dates out because that's important, you right. know, uh, people to get out and vote. So um, the early voting starts on um, April 19th and that's really when we need to get everyone out yeah. um, to vote. You know, elections are won in early voting. It's not, a, they're not really won on election day. Yeah. You know, so April 19th through the 27th is early voting and election day is on May 1st, but we need to get everyone out. Um, April 19th is when it starts. We need to get people, you know, get people out to vote. Like you said just a few moments ago, you know, these um, these local elections matter. Yeah. You know, if you look at what just happened about two weeks ago when we had that um, that ice storm. And I always tease, I always kind of tease when I say this, but you couldn't call Joe Biden. No. <laughs> and you couldn't call Kamala Harris. You couldn't call... You know, anybody out in Washington, you had to contact, you know, your local, you know, officials. You need to contact your city council person, your school board member, you know, and I'll even look at something like that. You know, why are our schools closed, you know, when our students were cold and hungry and didn't have running water? Why didn't we open facilities that have generators, that have backup power, that had power, that had water, and we have food programs for our students to go in and eat? We could have had families inside our gymnasiums, inside our pack rooms, inside the classrooms. You know, we had spaces available to bring our families in, and we chose not to open our schools. That's a reflection of not having people on your school board who are thinking about you. You know, I passed by those schools. I was out working and passed by the schools, and I'm like, why aren't they open? You know, I was on, you know, I was doing my, you know, doing my day-to-day job. Passed by the schools, and they're closed. And I know our families families are without power and without food, without water. And we should have opened our schools up. And so just things like that. So when we ask you to get out to vote on April 19th, that's what we're asking you for. So you can have people on the board who are thinking about you and your family. And so that's why we're here. Definitely make a a plan to vote. Uh, I just want to give, just reiterate some of those important dates. April 1st is the deadline to register to vote. So if you're not registered to vote, Please hit up anybody on this podcast. I'm pretty sure we can get you to the right person to register to vote. Uh, Like he said, April 19th is the first day of early voting. Uh, April 19th through the 21st, the voting locations will be open from 8 to 5. Um, April 24th, they'll be open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. April 26th and 27th, uh, 7 to 7 as well. Uh, let me give y'all some addresses. Anybody in McLennan? I just want y'all to be informed. Uh, in McLennan County, we have the privilege of voting anywhere. So um, anybody, despite where you live, you can vote at any of these polling locations. Uh, that's the McLennan County Elections Office on 4th Street, 
the Hewitt City Hall slash library on Patriot Court, Robinson Community Center on Lindale Avenue, uh, the Waco Multipurpose Community Center on M for the ones in the east, and then the Waco, uh, West Waco Library on Bosque. So th- these will all be uh, early voting loca- uh, locations yeah. the 19th <laughs> through 27th. And we'll also post these on our social media as well, so y'all don't have a reason to forget. Early right. voting was so big last year. It is um, it's huge. For, yeah, especially yeah. for that election. So it'd be nice to get a huge turnout, you know, in the more right way for you know a local election. That'd be nice to see. And don't and don't look at your your neighbor as the voter. Look at yourself. You know, a lot of times we're thinking, hey, they're gonna turn out to vote. I mean, we need you um, to turn out to vote for us. So, you know, so you know we need your vote. Um, we need you to get out and, and vote for us. You know, this, this is how, you know, you gain, you know, power in in your community is through your your vote and our vote collectively and putting people into seats that care about our community. And so we need you. Let's get out and vote. And as I always say, you need to vote because it's disrespectful not to. <laughs> I say that every time, <laughs> but it's it, that's yeah. facts. So yeah. for all of you, I don't vote because it's, my voice doesn't matter. Um, mm. you may feel that way, especially in the presidential elections. I'm gonna let y'all have that. I know y'all feel that way then, but locally, it does your vo- your voice does matter locally. Um, and when y'all brought up judges, I felt that in my spirit because mm. we've had so many judges who've been so corrupt um, wow. for yeah. their the the duration of their um, terms. But yeah. they've been repeat judges because people don't know that they can vote for those positions as well and so i think um on our part what we can do is educate people on what local voting looks like because mm. i didn't know i'm not gonna lie when i got out of high school and i went to college i was like we vote for all these people like you know it's yes. like this is nuts and so i'm looking at this thing and i was like i don't know any of these people and i feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. so i get it but the difference is I learned to educate myself and everybody's not going to have the same willpower. So like I said, I guess our party is like you said, teaching what the school board does, what they mean and also teaching what each local official does Mm -hmm. for the city. I know that there is a, like a little diagram (laughs) on um, McLennan County's uh, website that has like the mayor and then it has uh, Kelly and Andrea and all of these council people and what each of them does and how they stem from each other. And it just breaks everything down um, mm-hmm. by from mayor to who's under him to those people and who's under them. So I think that it's important that people see that diagram and know what those positions mean, because we can't be effective if we don't know anything um, as much as we say, go vote. If we're not educating people on yeah. what they're voting for, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Also, yeah. please um, check the map, I will post it on my social media today. WISD school board map is a lot different from City of Waco uh, map when it comes to districting and where you are. So my district is, a uh, District 1 is a little bit of East Waco, a lot of the North, and a little bit of the South. So um, just, and Keith is at large, so you'll be able to vote for Keith. But, yeah. but specifically for people in District 1, if you don't know what district you're in or you're not 100% sure, please go check the map and kind of see where you are. And then that way uh, you can be informed on who exactly is representing you on our school board. Right. And when we say at large, basically what that means is that you're able to vote for him no matter what side of Waco you live on. As long as you are within WISD, mm-hmm. you can vote for Keith. Because yeah. I think that that was something that Hope had to clarify as well because people don't know what the at large means either. So just for clarification. Yeah, yeah, and, and the large seat. Um, since we're talking historical um, information here, like the large seat has never had a, a minority or a black person um, sitting in that seat, and that was one of the things I was told when I signed up to run at large. And the race was close last time I ran, but they said, "Hey, a black person can't win that seat," you know. And there's a lot of other information that I don't think we have time to get off into it. You know, I even talked to board members who are currently on the board who told me that your community think they know what they want and need, but they really don't, you know? And so that was another thing that made me jump off into this race is because I believe our community know what it needs and we know how to fix it. And I know we can, you know, just through, you know, I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so inspired and excited to even listen to you all because um, this, this has been needed 
And so to to have you here and and bringing up these issues, man, I appreciate you know both of you, and I appreciate um, Jeremy even jumping jumping into this race and into this fight, man. And so that's just um, let's just keep it up. But you know, I was told that I was told that I couldn't win this race, and I was told that we didn't know what we needed. And so I keep both of those things at the front of my you know my thoughts, and it just motivates me and drives me. So. Man, let's, I'm I'm just excited to get after it. I'm going out today again to Canvas and, and talk to people. So, man, let's get it. I'm yeah. excited for y'all as well. May 1st does not end the fight. <laughs> no. It is the beginning. Despite, even if we, we get to celebrate, both of us get sworn in on the board, we're definitely going to do what we're telling you we're doing, but it's going to take everybody listening to do your part. If each one of us can just do a little bit, that's what's actually going to change our community. It's about getting people in the right positions, but it's also about all of us getting active in the community. Whether Whatever your lane is, find your lane and get active. Okay. And I think we, we have to start with our children so we can build strong communities going forward. We need them to understand the things that we have the privy to understand now, but we need them to start understanding that in elementary. Imagine what we could have already accomplished now by now, if we had the same knowledge that we all have talked about today in elementary right. school. Yeah. So I think it's important that we all get active in our community, especially with our children. And um, as we close out, like y'all said, you know, history is made every single day. Yeah. Um, we just come in Cheryl, you know, as our first police, first woman police chief and first black police chief. And that's insane to me. That's 2021 and that I'm hearing that, you know, for, you know, Waco, yeah. for all the, you know, barriers and stuff that it has, you know, knocked down and all the diversity that we do see within our community is crazy to me that we're just in a milestone like that. So yeah. I'm looking forward to, you know, having both of y'all or, you know, seeing both of y'all like on the board. Um, I don't have nothing else, though. I'm all talked out. <laughs> <laughs> As always, Stories of the Streets can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Stories of the Streets. We are on Instagram at Stories of the Streets. Facebook is Stories of the Streets. And if you're interested in becoming a guest on the show, email us at storiesofthestreets at gmail.com. That is stories of T-H-A streets at gmail.com. This has been a Rogue Media Network Podcast.